0: Uh, we're going to dive right in because uh, we're going to try to get you guys out of here quick and because uh, we actually have some cleaning to do before the next group comes in. And so, hey, kids, if you're with me, if you're here, I need you to listen, okay? Because y'all are going to have to help me a whole lot, you younger kids, okay? Uh, we're going to do some fun stuff today. I'm going to try to talk to you more than I do your parents, okay? But we're going to have a lot of fun. Kids, if I'm going to start reading you a story, where should I start reading that story? Should I start in the middle? If you had a bedtime story, in the middle, the end, where should we start? Elsa Joe, help me. Where should we start? The beginning, right? I don't know if that's what she said, but we need to start in the beginning. So over the next five weeks, we're going to be walking through the entire Old Testament in five weeks. And so that sounds fun, doesn't it? But we're going to do it, and we're going to do it together, and it will be fun. It'll be simple. It's going to be really, really good. But as we do that, we're going to start this week in the very beginning. Uh, over the next five weeks, we're going to look at five major moments in the Old Testament that should shape the way that we think about the rest of the Bible because even though they happened long before baby Jesus was born, they are all about Him. And so as you, if you watch the service from last week, we're calling this series Christ-Centered, Glimpses of the Gospel Through the Old Testament. And so it's going to be fun I promise you. And so we're going to start this journey where we should start in the beginning. So open or click in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. It should be labeled like page 1 in your Bible. So that should be easy to find. Uh, Get through all the stuff at the beginning and then get there. Uh, The first two chapters of Genesis give us this really cool look at creation um, and the whole creation of the universe. There's no doubt after reading Genesis 1 and 2 that God is the creator of all things, not just some things. And what we also know is that not only did God create everything, He created everything good. And so for you note-takers, number one is that very thing, right out of the gate. God created everything good. So the first kind of creation account we get is in verse 1. So if you've got a Bible, Genesis 1, 1, read along with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first creation account right there. It leaves a little bit to be desired, though, doesn't it? It's, pretty, it's a little simplistic. All right, This is the, this is the mile, millions of miles away look at creation. Uh, the, Moses just tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. But then, um, this is the long way off view. But from verse 2 on, Moses retells that creation story. He comes back in and zooms in like we've got some binoculars on now. And we're able to look a little closer at what's going on. The rest of Genesis 1 describes creation as occurring over six days. Six days. And then a seventh one just to to make it an even week, all right? And we'll talk about that. But as Moses recounts each day, what we see is God bringing more and more things into existence. And at the end of each day, the Bible says that God saw all that he had made, and he said, it is good. This is important. So not only did God create everything, he also created everything good. Everything he made was good. And so there's a whole lot of stuff to be made. So does anybody know on what day God created uh, flowers, uh, what about um, the moon? Since no one yelled out answers, I am going to teach you this morning. Uh, Daniel did good. Okay. Well, we'll see if he was right. All right. So what we're going to do is I'm going to teach you a way. This is definitely geared for the kids, adults in the room, but I spent 30 years of my life not knowing what God created on every day, and so you need to pay attention to and participate. Okay? We're going to do this together. So, kids, I need you to look up here at me. All right. Elsa, Joe, and Dan, you all ready? I need you all to look up here. Hey. I need y'all to help me with this because we've done this at home, okay? So I'm going to teach you the six days of creation by using our hands, all right? So day one, God said, let there be light. And the best way to remember that is that your finger kind of looks like a little candle right here, right? This little light of mine if you sang that song as a kid. All right, God said, let there be light on day one. Day two, these become scissors, okay? Okay. And so you got to understand that the way that they viewed the world was a little bit different than we did. They didn't understand we were living on some cosmic ball that was spinning through space. And so they viewed the world very different, and we don't have time to get into that. But essentially what they believed is that on day two, God, what God did is he created an atmosphere for us to live in. But the way that they described it was that God separated the waters above from the waters below. Because if you look up at the sky and you know it rains and it's blue, huh, there must be water up there. And then they looked down and they saw water. So they knew that God had somehow kind of parted the blinds of water. So on day two, God separated the waters above from the waters below. Day two. All right, you got to participate with me. All right, day three. God brought up land, trees, and flowers. And so we're going to remember this by making our, hand in, our fingers into a little tulip and sniffing it. <laughs> okay? And if your hand stinks, you need to use hand sanitizer on the way out. Okay? So day one, God said, let there be all right. On day 2, God separated waters above from the waters below. Day 3, God created God brought up land, trees, and flowers among other things, but those are the three we'll focus on, all right? You've already got the third verse, 3 days. This is a great start. Day 4, God did some big cosmic things. On day 4, God created the sun, moon, and the stars. And I know I've only got 3 fingers up, but here's what we're going to do. It kind of, okay, you have to imagine your hand as the sun. When you draw the sun, you always have to draw those little spiky things coming off, right? The rays of the sun. So your finger is pointing up, that's the rays of the sun. Isn't it warm? It's beautiful, isn't it? And then your thumb right here, that makes a little crescent moon. So we have the sun, the moon, and then the stars isn't. There we go. Okay, the stars. So that's day four. Day five, God starts making some fun stuff. On day five, God actually makes two different sets of creatures. He makes the the fish of the sea, so you're going to make your five into a little fish. And then he also makes the birds of the sky, so you're going to make your hand into a little bird, right? Day five, that's what God does. All right, day six, wait, I'll do it this way. On day six, God makes two more sets of creatures. He makes the land animals, so you make them into little walkers. He makes little land animals on day six, and then he also makes man, all right, or who we call humans, okay, human beings, and so land animals and man. And then on day seven, God, we're going to make, and just lay two fingers down on your bed, all right, because we all want to take a nap when we get home, all right, that should be a good reminder. So let's go all the way through. On day one, God said, let there be light. Day two, God separated the... Okay, oh, that was perfect unison. That was awesome. Day three, God brought up the land, trees, flowers. You got to smell it. All right, day four, God created the... Stars. Beautiful. On day five, God created the... You guys are so excited about this that's what that 's what excites me on day six. God made the land animals and man all right, beautiful. He also made woman, but that's that makes seven okay, so man includes man and woman all right so now you 've got it, and for the rest of your life, you can know what God created on each day of creation. But the big thing I want you to walk away with don 't let that distract you, but I hope you learned that, and I hope you can uh, remember that maybe we 'll maybe we 'll give you a test next week. But the big thing we want you to remember is this thing, that God created everything good. And every part of creation was just as God wanted. It was perfect. And as Genesis 2 begins, the camera zooms in again. So we have creation account number 1, Genesis 1-1. We have creation account number 2, Genesis 1-2 through the end of Genesis chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, the camera zooms in even more. This cosmic God who was speaking things into existence and trees were sprouting up out of the ground and planets were spinning into space. This cosmic God who looked more like the... He looked, just for a kid's sake, the genie from Aladdin, right? Like he can just, he can just pull things out of nothing. In chapter 2, however, God is portrayed as a much more intimate and personal being who actually plays in the dirt with his creation. In Genesis 1 the name I'm going to give you a little bit of uh since I've given something for the kids adults here's something for you okay the name that's used for God in Genesis chapter 1 is the Hebrew word Elohim All right Elohim and this is the general name for God it's a it's a name that that uh, actually gets used for other spiritual beings Um, In the Bible, it's even used to talk about false gods at times in the Bible, and so it's very similar. It usually gets translated in English as God, okay? But in Genesis 2, we see a new English word introduced, which is the word LORD in all caps, L-O-R-D in all caps, okay? If you look in your Bible, that's how it's written. Um, The slides may not represent that because sometimes that doesn't translate when we copy and paste, okay? But it's supposed to be (laughs) LORD in all caps. Uh, I didn't check that. Um, and then, but that corresponds to a new Hebrew word, which is the word Yahweh. You got to say Yahweh. Yahweh. Beautiful. All right. And so this, this, in this way, Genesis 2 speaks of a God who is creating in a much more personal way. God isn't just this all-powerful being who can call things that weren't into existence. We also see he's very intimately involved in his creation. He's actually forming creatures from the dust of the earth. And so one creature that he has the most intimate relationship with is this creature called Adam in Hebrew, which sounds a whole lot like Adam, right? And so that's where we get Adam's name. We call them man, right? Man and woman. God creates two of them. He creates a male and a female. And we refer to them as Adam and Eve. When God created them, he placed them in a garden to provide for them and to spend time with them. He gave them a whole lot of freedom. God told them they could eat from any tree in the garden except for one. And the, he called the tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to show you that. Uh, Genesis two sixteen and 17 say this. Um, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, which we can assume there were a bunch But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. It's an encouraging message. This tree represented a big idea for Adam. God had created Adam and Eve to be with him and to listen to him. God was supposed to be the one to tell them what was right and what was wrong. He was supposed to be the one to define for them what morality was. Eating from this tree would put that pressure of defining morality on Adam and Eve. And God told them that the weight of that responsibility would crush them. Surely they won't eat from it, right? Imagine you don't know the story. Surely you've got so many other trees to eat from. Don't eat from that tree. In the beginning of chapter 3, we've already walked through Genesis 1 and 2. Pat yourself on the back, don't pat your neighbor's self on the back. Because that's not social distancing. But pat yourself on the back. All right. In Genesis chapter 3, a new character appears. A slithering serpent. Right? If you're familiar with the story, hang in there with me. He slithers his way right over to Eve. And he begins to put doubt in her mind about God's provision. Maybe God... He begins, to help, he begins to change Eve's mind about who God is. Eve begins to think things like maybe God really is holding out on something. Maybe he doesn't want what's best for us. Maybe maybe this fruit will actually be better than what God has given us. And the serpent convinces Eve to take the fruit from the tree and eat it. And Adam, who was playing video games behind her, he turns. she turns and hands him a piece of the fruit and he takes a bite too. This is what we come. So, the, what they did it may not seem like a big deal, okay? But the consequences of this are huge. This was a big deal. God had told them not to do one thing, and the very one thing He said they did. This is what we come to find known find known in the Bible as sin. Okay, sin. What we see happen next is that this sin affects the way Adam and Eve view themselves. They become a lot more self conscious than they normally are they're now insecure sin also affects their relationship with each other in a short few verses adam and eve are hurling uh accusations at one another and guilt but the bible says that the biggest consequence of their sin was that it affected their relationship with god point number two man is separated from god's presence by sin Adam and Eve have chosen their own way and the serpent's way over God's way, and it's affected them deeply. They listen to a created being over the Creator. And the rest of Genesis 3 is God talking with Adam and Eve and the serpent about sin. He speaks harshly to all three of them, but the hardest part for Adam and Eve to take and to hear comes at the very end in verses 23 and 24. God kicks them out of the beautiful fruit-filled garden. And now they will have to work harder to provide, provide food for themselves. And the worst part, they won't experience the same intimate relationship that, God, that they had with God before they sinned. You see, sin breaks everything. God created this perfect world. He said it was good over and over and over again. And after day six, he said it was very good. But when Adam and Eve sinned, it affected all of creation. Death, destruction, and disease come into the world, creation now experiences all three of them because of the fall of man into sin. After this story in Genesis 3, the following eight chapters tell of how corrupt and evil the world spins out of control. And it's not a pretty picture. If you're wanting a great, discouraging afternoon, read Genesis 3 through 11. <laughs> okay, Without Noah as a tiny little beacon of hope, that's it, Okay? Um, it's, It's a depressing eight chapters. But that extends to us today. You and I are recipients of the consequences of this problem. And we also contribute to this problem. We are born with a heart that is bent towards sinning instead of obeying God. And Without God's help, we all follow that heart over and over and over again. Just like sin separated Adam and Eve from God's presence in the garden, so you and I are separated from God because of our sin. And that's a ridiculously sad story. And what a terrible way to end Genesis 3. But God didn't just scold them and kick them out of the garden. He says something really creepy to the serpent in chapter 3. I want to read it to you in verse 15. I will put hostility, he says to the serpent, between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Creepy, creepy, weird thing to say. And if you're like me, there's nothing I love more than crushing the head of a serpent or cutting their head off with a hoe. But... That's not what this is talking about. What we're talking about is a spiritual battle. What I want you to see, point number three, is that hope is given before they ever leave the garden as God speaks of a snake crusher, okay? As God speaks of a snake crusher. God talks about a descendant of Eve that will be a snake crusher, amen? Man, in like a physical way, and we'll get to the spiritual way here in a second. Someone to silence this snake once and for all. He will get bitten. God says that. You'll strike his heel, but he will crush your head. As the biblical story goes on throughout the whole Old Testament, you read about some pretty awesome people who seem to have what it takes to be the snake crusher. And they got to think, hey, this is the guy. This is the one. But then they always prove that they're oftentimes following the snake as well. (laughs) The Old Testament closes and still no snake crusher. But then, in a sleepy little town called Bethlehem, the one comes into the world. The one who lived a perfect life, totally unaffected by the temptations of the serpent. And because of that, because he was perfect, he didn't deserve the death and destruction that we talked about that sin causes. But the Bible says that he gave up his life for us. He took our sin on himself, and he died. And he was buried, taking our sin with him into the tomb, and he was raised to new life without our sin, not even a full three days later. You see, Jesus is the snake crusher that God spoke about in the beginning. He defeated sin and he defeated death. He is the snake crusher. And that's why the author of Hebrews can say, in light of this, in Hebrews two fourteen, Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil. And John can say in first John three eight, the one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God, however, was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. You see, Christ defeated sin, death, and the serpent, not just for himself, church. He defeated those things for us, too. The Bible says that if you will turn from your sin, recognizing that sin is the best you can do on your own, if you'll turn from that sin, recognizing that, and believing that Jesus died for your sins and was raised to life for you, he will save you if you ask him. He will. Because I did it when I was seven, and my life's been different ever since. And so many people in this room have turned from their sin but recognizing it's the best they can do and turned to a God and asking them to fix their messed up self. And God has done it for so many people in this room. If you have never believed on Jesus' name, for salvation you can this very day call on the lord just as i explained to you just now you can do that right now before we begin singing the band's going to begin to softly play softly play there we go i couldn't remember the song i did not know if it was a, a jamming song but even right now if you'll bow your heads right now you can call out to the lord right now Today, if you would like to begin this journey as a believer for the first time today, I just want to know. I just want to know so that I can help you. We don't need to we don't need to help you call on the Lord. That's on you. But we can we can talk with you about it. But you do need us as a church to help you grow and take next steps. We're gonna sing one last song. And uh during this song, I'm gonna actually gonna stand right here down front. Um if you'd like to come talk with me about a decision to follow Jesus today or a decision uh, to talk with us about what it looks like to join our church or to be baptized or to join a small group when we start those back up, come let me know. Uh, but if you don't feel comfortable coming and talking to a pastor down front who doesn't have a mask on, we've also got counselors they are going to be back here by the back door. If you'd rather go backwards than come forwards, we have a, a male and a female counselor by the back door right now that would love to talk with you. But don't leave here without following what God has laid on your heart to do. I'm going to say a word of prayer. We're all going to stand. And if you want to just sing where you are, you stand and sing. If you'd like to respond, you can. Let's pray together. Father, we trust, uh, God, I trust that the word you've placed on my heart today has been a word from you. And God, I pray that Genesis 1 through 3 would resonate in our heart, God, that, that the sin and the destruction and the disease and... And the the separation and COVID-19 and fear and all of those things, God, are not part of your perfect world. God, we brought those things in through sin. But God, you want to restore us to a place of hope and love that is separate from death and destruction. And God, we can experience hope and life. God, today, if there's anybody here who's never trusted in you, God, it's made all the difference in my life. I pray, God, that they would be faithful to call on you today. And any decision they have on their heart, God, I pray that you would help them to be obedient. Mm -hmm. God, as we sing, I pray that you are glorified. In Jesus' name.